With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, welcome to the Clark Blue Podcast post-match reaction. I'm Dan Robertson, joined by the poor man's Matt Kendrick, if Twitter is to be believed, uh, Dan Bardell. Thank you for joining me this evening, getting me out of a little bit of a hole. Uh, how are you? I mean, you were really so desperate to get that out. You said Matt Kendrick wrong. You were so desperate to make that joke. But yeah, whoever whoever said that on uh, on X, it did, did make me laugh. In, in fairness, when, when you told me, so so fair play. But yeah, I'm good. Uh, a lot better than you. I mean, the guy. It looks like the game has made you very emotional. Yeah, like you've been oh, crying yeah. for ninety minutes. It has. What what a what a delightful evening we've just seen there. Uh, yeah. Now I've got cold, cold and a cough. So I've been sneezing all day. Eyes are watering, sore throat. I don't really want to be here to be honest. But we've had such a great game to talk about. I'll soldier on for the twenty minutes or so and let you do all the talking. You're the guest, anyway. That's I mean, what you're, you're, a, you're a hero. Get you, this is what you get paid for. Literally, exactly. this is literally what you're being paid to do. You sold, exactly. soldiering on. If you'd have called in sick, there'd have, there'd have been no, no show, would there? Because I couldn't, do, I couldn't do a show on my channel because the producer just went on holiday without telling me. So I was like, you know, do a video tonight. He's like, now nah, I'm in Wales. Oh, cheers. All right then. Just, just wouldn't happen on Clarendon Blue, would it? Just, just would not happen. No. Although um, you've had a similar thing because Kendrick was supposed to do this. <laughs> he just decided he can't do it. Yeah. Poor man's Matt Kendrick replaced by Matt Kendrick, who also couldn't be bothered to do it because he yeah. didn't watch the game because his BT app didn't work. Although, to be fair, I had similar problems with the app. It said, didn't it, recently? We'll talk about the game in a second, by the way, mm. about like how we're moving away from TNT Sports and going to Discovery+. Plus. It's said it for a few weeks now. Hey, prepare yourselves, activate your account. I didn't. I logged on at um, 5.40, couldn't get on. So I did miss the first five minutes of the game trying to sort that out. So that was a pain in the backside. But I did watch the game. I enjoyed it very much. Um, As I said, you'll do all the talking here, despite my long-winded intro. I am going to sneeze. I am going to have to blow my nose. Um, I will mute myself when that happens if I can. Uh, Dan, let's talk about the football then. Unai Emery Masterclass, I'm calling that. Lift off in Europe. Very, very good, I thought. I mean, yeah, that's what I put in a tweet after the third goal went in. That this is a this is an Unai Emery European masterclass, and you know that's what what we assumed would happen. I think in in Europe, you know, the, the Hibs game aside, we've the first two games in the group have been difficult, and you could argue that AZ away was potentially the the hardest game in the group. I actually always thought the first one would be the hardest in in Poland in in, in Warsaw, but Villa made light work of a, a team that went far in Europe. Last season, from minute one, we were on it. You know, we made a few changes, but those changes worked. It was it was nice to see a few players who've been on the outskirts of the of the team who've not been starting come in and make an impact. Obviously, a couple of them have 
have scored goals as well. So it's as, as thoroughly professional a performance as you'll see away in Europe. And it, it's brilliant for so many Villa fans that have, have made their way out there. You know, many of them without tickets as well. They're all going to have a have an unbelievable time tonight and they've already been having an unbelievable time. But for those in the ground, I'm I'm really, really pleased for them because they're the they're the ones that have been everywhere in the in the championship, watched some dross at mm. times and spent an awful lot of money and they're there tonight having the having the time of their lives and I'm I'm, I'm really, really pleased for them. Yeah. I'm uh, <laughs> made some... now for some from nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I've delivered you some Jones via the internet. Um some comments coming through already. Perfect says James, class game says Lewis and a lovely pun from Jason. Easy as you like. Easy as looks better written down than said. Easy as you yeah, like. Um, probably not quite fair to say the Leon Bailey and Yuri Tielemans show, but a couple of changes that, that you mentioned in there, particularly in the first half, thought Tielemans was very good, as was Bailey involved, obviously scored and involved in the Watkins goal as well, which was a, a lovely move all round, wasn't it, to be fair? Um, just talk me through the goals individually before we speak about the players. Pick of the bunch, any of those goals stand out to you as being that? Bailey's was a Bailey's was a re- was a really really good strike, wasn't it? I, I liked all the goals actually. There was aspects of, yeah, so. of of all the goals that I liked. Four, four different goal scorers as well, which is which is always a positive. You know, the first one I'm go through him individually. I might as well the the, the Bailey goal. He's like does some lovely work and then tries an absolutely ridiculous flick that that doesn't come off at all. Somehow the ball bounces back to him and on his on his weaker foot he absolutely lashes it home. Really good finish. <clears throat> and um, Bailey's been really productive. So far this season, mm. in, in in terms of goals, he hasn't started every game. But maybe in some ways, you know, Greg said this in in one of my shows earlier on in the week, because he's not started every week. Because has the pressure off him a, li- a little bit. There's less pressure on him to deliver, and he seems a bit more relaxed. And he's scored some really nice goals all, already this season. Probably the second one was my favourite, just because of who it was. I think Tillemans has took a bit of stick. Mm. All of it, all of it, undeserved, in, in my opinion. I think when he he's been in and out of the team, or mainly out of the team, when he has played, he's played with the with a completely wholesale change side, and he's he's not shone. He's battling with two really really good players in that central midfield position, and it's it's a battle at the moment that that he's not winning, and you know rightly so because those two are a are, are a great partnership. So he's moved club, he'll be down because he's he's not been playing and not made the impact that that he would like. But it was a bit little tweak. From Emery, he's played some games kind of wide left in Ramsey's position that Ramsey plays, cutting in to, to, to make the box, and it's not really happened for him. Not really worked, but we saw at the tail end of the, the West Ham game that he kind of played as the, in, basically in Diaby's role as a second striker, but a lot more withdrawn. I called it a false mm. 10 Twitter earlier because I had absolutely no idea what else to call it. I'm not sure that false 10 is a, is a real thing. It, it's probably not. So he did that again tonight, which I liked. And but it was also quite fluid with Bailey coming inside and Tillemans drifting out, and it, it, that was the main thing that I thought caused out my real problems in the first half. I don't think they knew how to deal with that fluidity and that and that interchange, and it would do him the world of good to to, to score a goal. He's a, he's a really good player, Tillemans, someone who I've I've rated as soon as he came into the the Premier League, and I dreamed of assigning someone like him a few years ago. And it just says what a good place this football club is in to have a player like that who can't get. In, in the team, you know, Watkins gets his customary goal at the moment as as well as a, a tapping, but nice to see him in, in, in the right place. And then it's always good to see McGinn score because the goal's really dried up for him over the last probably 18 months before Emery came and he wasn't getting on, on the score sheet. And he's got a few goals now this season. I think it's three as he got now. He's got two in in Europe. And it was it was a really clever, not nice finish and great work from Bailey again. So the encouraging thing yeah. is really, 
for me, a, a Tillemans. And Bailey was involved in, in three of the four goals, if my memory serves me correctly as well. So just a just a night full of real positives, really. I, I can't come up with a negative and we made light work of a game that potentially could have been really, really difficult. Yeah, I was concerned about this game. I thought this was going to be the most difficult game. And we've been, I think John or, or Matt said it earlier in the week that we've kind of been waiting for the European journey to, to lift off a little bit. Legia Warsaw was obviously vastly disappointing. And as good as John McGinn's last minute winner was at Villa Park, what, two or three weeks ago, Swinsey Mostar game wasn't anything to write home about really. But tonight was was kind of going up another gear, wasn't it? We sit now top of the group, but with the, the second game in, in or the second game of tonight kicking off probably now. Um, so by the time people are catching up with this tomorrow, we'll see where Villa are in, in the group, of course. Um, but a really good performance all round. And as we said, Emery Masterclass and the kind of performance I expected to see Villa put into into the European games in every game so far. And that's not been the case for, for various reasons. But I do hope this is now the beginning of, of Villa going on to win the group and, and hopefully, obviously, going far in the competition as well. Yeah, I just liked the game plan tonight. It felt like we were ready for for, for this one. You know, Unai Emery knows a hell of a lot more about football and opposition th- than I do. But in some ways for Emery, maybe this is, was the easiest one to prepare for because there's probably a lot more footage out there of, of what Altmar do. And I'm sure Villa's analysts get hold of all the footage that necessary. But Altmar are a bit of a, a, a more known identity. And we've seen Emery coming up with individual game plans against against good opposition in the past. And I felt like tonight, that that was what happened. It was almost in the other two games. We didn't really know what to what to expect. Whereas tonight mm. we come up with a come up with a, a plan. Like I say, that that fluid interchange between Bailey and and Tillemans, I think, really caused them problems in in the first half. And then we still had Dougie and Kamara in there, who really did control that that midfield in the first half as well. And the directness of of Bailey and Watkins, it was something that Alma just, just didn't really have a have have an answer for when I saw the team selection. I did think it would be a big night for Carlos and and, and Longley, but really that again they navigated that game with relative ease. We had a bit of a sticky spell at four 0 at where we conceded. You know that was a good goal from from Altmar as well. That was a, yeah, yeah. that was a hell of a strike, and then they kind of came into it for for, for ten minutes. But it, it's difficult when you're four 0 up not to take your foot off the gas when you know you've got a Premier League game coming on 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 Sunday as well. But no, 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 Emery probably won't focus on the on the four goals and how well we played up until that point. He'll probably focus on the fact we conceded and then had a, had a sticky 10, 15 minutes. The, the players will probably have to watch that back tomorrow. Yeah, Neil will already be on the playing back, won't he? Looking ahead at Luton and, and getting ready for that, which is also an important game for Villa's uh, Premier League aspirations and, and making it 12 and beating at Villa Park. And we, we spoke on the phone the other day about the record. I think it was is it 13 for Villa, we were saying. If we win, then it, uh, yeah, I think we've got two more to equal it. Park. Yeah, so Luton and Fulham are the next two home games. So you know, without getting ahead of ourselves, you'd like to think Villa will, will, will be able to match that record. A couple of another quick comments. One from Rich. Did I read one from Rich before? I might have done. Uh, it says, Leon Socks. We're getting some comments online during the game. Short Socks equals better performance. We love someone with short socks, don't we, at the Villa? I mean, nice kit tonight, I will say. On, yeah, on, on, yeah. on the kit thing. That, that kit was made infinitely better by having Aston Villa Foundation on the front. I don't, yeah. I don't know what it was, but it just looked... We spoke about that in the, in the last European game, having it blank. I said like it would be nice for the club to do something like the foundation or obviously something yeah. like Acorns. But we said the, the cynical nature of football probably means that wouldn't happen. So it's nice for them to have done something like that because as much as I like a sponsorless shirt, having a sponsor on or something in the middle at least, I suppose you wouldn't call the Villa Foundation a sponsor, just makes the kit look more complete. And that was a nice, uh, a nice touch to see that third kit with that on tonight. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Well, I know a, a few kit experts and people who are experts in terms of like basically sorting shirts for you, getting numbers put on the back and, and things like mm. that. And I was speaking yeah. to, to TK earlier, who does lots of Villa fans' shirts, and he's gonna. I've got the third shirt ready to send over to him, and he's gonna put like the European Watkins on the back for yes. me do the patches and and all that jazz and i said to him what are the what are the chances of you taking the sponsor off and getting the aston villa foundation like a replica version of that put on the front and he was like yeah we'll make that happen so nice. i'm gonna get gonna get that done in in memory of villa's best european performance for a long long time probably since ajax maybe probably That's yeah. best best european performance and i couldn't even tell you what the best european performance was before that ajax our ajax game you know there's not Many European nights that stand out in, yeah. in, in my memory, other than you know in that ninety seven ninety eight, which you won't have remember, you won't remember, you you have a cut run where Villa got to the quarters and got knocked out by Atletico Madrid. You know there hasn't mm. been many brilliant European nights f- for Villa. That felt like a a classic night, and people will scoff at it and say it's only the Conference League, not non Villa fans. But this is this is what we wanted. This was what we worked towards. Yeah, was the back end of last season to 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 be in these games and. You know, to take it seriously tonight and go and win their four-one and give the fans that did go a, a real show and a, a, a night to remember. I'm I'm really really pleased with that. Me too. I, I said after the West Ham game that I really loved that game and, and watching that result, it felt like a, a good yardstick of where Villa would come to to beat someone like that at Villa Park, who a side that is around that top eight mark and will, will want to be there at the end of the season. Shows how confident similar. we are as well. I think that game at the moment, like confidence is just mm. seeping through. All, yeah. all the players, you know, we were winning games early on in the season, but I don't feel like the confidence level was maybe high because we lost a couple of games mm. and we were tripping up in, in midweek games. At this current time now, it feels similar to how I felt towards the back end of last season when we were winning games. I think we're winning most of our games now. We drew at Wolves, but I think that was a I think that was a decent result. But the shine was maybe taken off it because Watkins hit the post at the end. But I think overall now, the confidence in in these players must be absolutely seeping through. And we look at the fixtures that are coming, and we're already on a on a great run. And if you look at the games that are to come, there's there's a real chance to go into the into December, you know, through in Europe and yeah. going really, really exceptionally well in the Premier League. And at the moment, I'm going to, I'm going to back us to do that. Yeah, likewise. And if we do win the group, our next uh, Europa Conference League game would be, I think it's March the 7th off the top of my head, the first leg of the knockouts, which, you know, if, if, we're, if we're qualified by December or won the group by December, to not have to think about Europe for three months, obviously not have to, going to have to think about the, the Carabao Cup either. My nose is running, I'm going to have to stop that. You've seen that um, comment from uh, Bronte nice. Koskinen? 
Apparently they hadn't lost in 29 European yeah. games. Yeah, I was going to say, their record's brilliant. I think they've won seven out of eight games in the league so far this season. I don't know whether that's just at home or overall. Uh, they've got a really good record. They're, they're a good side. So to go there and play the way we did um, is testament to Unai Emery and the squad. That, that's a, I think that's a really impressive result. result. I honestly think this is just, you know, like I said, it's a tougher, op- it's a tough, sh- on paper, potentially a tougher opposition than the other two teams we've played. But I just think that's that's what Unai Emery lives for. He lives for games like this where he really gets to, to to make that plan and go at a team and come up with something that he thinks will will cause them problems. So, uh, you know, hats off to him because he's he's done it again. How many good individual game plans where there's just subtle nuances from from the game before? You know, the system never really changes, does it? It's a four yeah, four yeah. out of possession with the with the, with the box midfield, but there's always these subtle little changes in in most games. I would say, and I think he's done a few things tonight that have, that have tripped out Mar up. I think Villa at the moment must be a really difficult team yeah. for the opposition to prepare for because you can look at what they do on the face of it and say, okay, well, okay, they're going to play the same system that they always play. But I think by design as well, we were a little bit deeper tonight, yeah. but we were, it was something we were doing and I, I can't think how to explain it other than just say we were, we were deeper. I felt like we were faster to spring and attack and slightly more direct rather than playing through the the, the midfield, I, I would say. And the, the slow build-up, it felt a little bit more direct, passing to space by design tonight. Mm. And I'm just really, really impressed with, with our football club at the moment. You know, yeah. I don't remember. We've had good times in my life. You know, I'm lucky enough that I have seen us win a couple, a couple of trophies because I'm nearly 40. But, like, this is 40. the best I've ever I've ever felt. As a Villa fan, this is the happiest yeah. I've ever been with, with with what I'm seeing on the pitch, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, totally agree. I was going to mention before, and you said like the the last good European game before uh, Ajax. I was going to joke about probably 1982 as a, as the European Cup final. It was a Mil- so, Inter Milan 1994 penalty shootout victory that I was at. Yeah. It was my first ever European game, and uh, was it? That was, that was a good one. It's a good I was one just about to mention that there was a comment from Simon saying since Barcelona in the Super Cup, my dad texts me saying Inter Milan. So my dad's yeah. obviously watching a long live uh, into land as a shout out. Is that the, the Kent Nielsen penalty? No, Phil King. With, oh, Phil King, yeah, that's the one. It was Kent Nielsen also into Milan penalty? Am I getting those mixed I, up? Potentially he played against Inter Milan. There was another game against Inter Milan, but I don't think yeah. I was born or I'd have been very, Phil very King, the young. one with the celebration picture, like? In the Muller shirt, in the, in the Muller shirt, yeah. Yeah. Phil King, yeah, left, foot, left foot penalty. Phil King, who wouldn't give me his autograph when I was a, was a child. Yeah. You yeah. sound... You sound scarred by that interaction, what happened. Ran into Dean Saunders, Phil King and Neil Ampter. What a trio. And my mate had, a, <laughs> had like a, a Dean Saunders mitre Ultimax football. You know, this was an expensive bit of kit when mm. we when we were younger. And he got Dean Saunders to sign it, which, he, which Dean Saunders did. And then we wanted to get autographs from the other two as well. And Neil Ampter signed. And then Phil King just went, no autographs today, lad. Penalty, <laughs> penalty gone to his head. Penalty gone to his head. By the sounds of he didn't want to. He watched Neil Ampty and Dean Saunders sign, sign everything, and then just said, "No autograph today, lads." It was very, very strange as a child. Yeah. Um, no, you, I'm just reading comments at the same time. Rich and Bronte both say that Kent Nielsen scored against Inter Milan from I knew there was play, something. So I, yeah, I knew I'd, I wasn't mixing it up out of absolutely nothing at all. I don't know what year that was because I wouldn't love to know if I was born or not. But late eighties, maybe. Uh, very early nineties. Yeah, I mean, I would have been born, but I wouldn't have been going to the football at that point. Yeah, I mean, you, were you born late sixties, early seventies? 
But... Steady on, steady on. I'll do you a favour. And you come on, come on and try and try and rip me about age. Some people would argue you look older than me. Well, some people would be wrong. Um <laughs> where are all these comments. <laughs> oh, I thought this was all right, you know. What's wrong with this? That is like that's Matt Kendrick would wear that if he had a job interview for a promotion at Reach. I thought a uh, little little half zip thing was. I thought that was in now. You've got a bit saucy with the with the zip coming down a little bit, haven't you? you yeah. one, one for the temperature, mate. Got to keep it cool. I've not for the ladies. Cool. Um, speaking of ladies, Nick McMahon says, "So all these years, I blame my lucky shirt, pants, socks, or girlfriend. Turns out all you need is a world class coach, top players, and billionaire owners. I mean, yeah, it's simple, simple as that, isn't Decent it? Decent combo, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, everything's kind of tickling along nicely, isn't it?" Uh, 91-92 season for that Inter Milan, Kent Nilsson uh, goal that we were just talking about. Got slightly distracted, haven't we? Um, yeah, that's fine. We did a feature on the last post-match show, the unsung man of the match, to highlight somebody away from the obvious. So, your Tielemans or Leon Bailey are probably the ones that get the official man of the match vote this evening. But to speak about somebody slightly different, so anyone that goes under the radar as an unsung kind of hero? I'd say maybe for the West Ham game as well, maybe Berbacar Kamara. Mm, okay, yeah. Because he just doesn't, he, he makes the dirty stuff look really, really simple and effortless. So you almost don't know it's happening. Yeah. Usually, yeah. if a midfielder thunders into a tackle and wins you the ball back, you would you would notice that and say, what a tackle. But he's so good, Kamara, he doesn't need to do those things. He just puts himself in the right place and intercepts and just effortlessly nicks the ball off off players without ever having to having to dive in. So maybe, maybe Burbakar Kamara, a few people are saying Longley. In, in in the comments again, feel a bit sorry for Longley because he, you know he comes in plays every once a month maybe, and that, that isn't easy to just come in and come in and do that. Yeah. And that could have been a that could have been a banana skin tonight, and he acquitted himself really well. But I do think perhaps the game plan helped the players tonight, all, all the ones that that came in because Carlos and Longley didn't really have anything to do. The new kind of role created for Tillemans worked really well, and. Leon Bailey must have been quite confident after his nice goal again against West Ham, and he was given a bit a bit of freedom to to drift around and and do what he wanted to do, and he took advantage of that. Yeah, I was going to mention Longline also, maybe not specifically for a man of the match, but Longline and Carlos together to to change the the two centre halves together um, could have been a, a slight cause for concern with maybe match fitness or rustiness or whatever. Is it the first minutes that Comps has not played as well this season? Yeah, I was thinking there's a few that have played like a, a lot of like minutes. Minute, yeah. Mc, McGinn. yeah, McGinn's another one who hasn't really had a rest so far so far this season. You know, Watkins has been taken out for for, for the odd game, for example. It feels like mm-hmm. Louise has, has started most games, even you know, in the in in the cups as well. Kamara, remember Kamara had a rest, didn't he, against Everton, but then he, he came on and, and scored. So you know, there's a few players who've been playing an, an awful lot of minute minutes in there, but it was good to good for concert to get to get a rest really. I would say I'm sure he's fit enough to to play every game. Sometimes just a, a mental rest as well, so he can focus on on what we've got to do on on Sunday against Luton. Because undoubtedly, you know, he will come back into the team as will yeah. as will Diaby. Yeah, Tillemans probably in fairness will go back to to be to being sat on the bench after after a good performance. But you know, it's the later on in the season we might need these players if injuries come in. You know, these players need to have played minutes, and we've we've enabled that tonight. We've enabled a few to get some minutes under their belt. Do you think there's any chance that because we're all kind of expecting Luton to be an easier game that any of these guys could go on and play in that Premier League game as well? Like Tielemans could be rewarded and start again on Sunday because there's kind of less pressure because we're expected to win? Probably not because I think, you know, Kamara and Louise are locks in that midfield, which 
then would mean Diaby would have to come out, but Diaby's been rested tonight, so that's obviously not going to happen. Yeah. So probably, unfortunately for him, he's going to find himself back on the bench. I don't think Emery will treat Luton lightly. I think you probably said the same team that we we had at West Ham, perhaps with the exception of Bailey maybe getting a start instead of instead of Zaniolo potentially, yeah. because you know Bailey's probably done enough over the course of the last few weeks to. To, to deserve a start and maybe you kind of need, I mean, Zaniolo is pretty unpredictable himself, but at Luton, I don't think Luton will be one of those ones where we, where we score four, four or five or six, like, like we have been doing. I think they'll sit in and make it very difficult for Villa. I think we'll win. Yeah. We might, I think we might even keep a clean sheet, which would be nice because we just can't send a game on <laughs> yeah. whatever. It's not, it doesn't matter because, you know, we're only conceding probably one a game and we're yeah. always going to score a few goals at the moment, the way, the way we're playing. But, you know, if I had to call a score for, for Luton, I'd probably say like, 2-0 on, on, on Sunday would be my prediction. Yeah, 3-0 is probably what I'm going for. So I think if we score a couple, we could probably not run riot, but uh, yeah, 3-0 is a, a nice scoreline, I think. And considering I got the last game spot on, why not go high scoring Unbe- again? Unbelievable you called that, by the way. That's an unbelievable That's what prediction. I do, mate. That's one That's of the best predictions I've ever heard. That you I've got, out of the is it eight Premier League games we played now. Uh, nine, isn't it? Yeah, nine. I think yeah. I've got three or four correct Scores out of out of the eight or nine in the Premier League. Are you doing the predictions league or anything? Yeah, me and John in the preview go against you each go, other. You, you're going well. You know, I'm generally quite good at predictions from you know mm. the other podcast that we do that you that you produce the Premier League podcast, Edge of the Box, Who Scored podcast. I'm <laughs> top, of the, top of the top of the prediction league. There, bit embarrassing, but yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm top of that league. So I've been decent at prediction. I call. I not called many Villa scores correctly. I think I called the Wolves one one potentially. Yeah, I think the I did one more as well. Way, yeah, nice. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention as a bit of a, an aside nonsense point was Martinez is just sort of standing on the ball and be like, Why "Yeah, not? come on then, come and press me then. Why not? Like I'll just stand here and do nothing." And the Almar players just looking at him like, "Yeah, well, <laughs> what, what now? What like this style, mate?" He's just got such arrogance, hasn't he? <laughs> he yeah, just, has uh, a great yeah, not really just, like, just like that. Well, it didn't matter, did it? Like just. Yeah. Come on, then I need for me to implement what I need to do. I need you to press me, and you're not pressing me, so I'll just stand there. There's nothing in the rules yeah. that says I cannot stand here with the ball at my feet for as long as I want. So you kind of felt like, do I have to do this for 45 minutes? I'm prepared to do it. <laughs> that was that was what it felt like. And you would back him to do that as well, wouldn't you? Uh, he can, he can do what he wants, can't he? He's the, the best goalkeeper in the world. Uh, if I just ask you to look ahead slightly before we end, then, um, what my nose, um. <laughs> Up to, let's say, to the end of November, because there's a couple of tricky games throughout the month. Um, so we've got Luton up next, obviously, and then Nottingham Forest away, a whole week apart for those games, which will be a, a nice for Emery and the players to have that extra time. The next Europa Conference League game is AZ Altmar again at Villa Park, and it's Fulham at Villa Park, Tottenham away, obviously top of the league as it stands, uh, I think, and then Legia Warsaw also at Villa Park to end the month. Uh, a handful of tricky games throughout that month there, but there's nothing I'm really looking at there thinking, well, we could probably win them all. We could win five out of six. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Other than the Tottenham guy, you know, you, you think we've got a very good chance. I mean, to be fair, we've got a good chance of winning at Tottenham as well. I know it's a very different Tottenham side, but we did it. Last season, when they were actually going well, Tottenham at, at that point, they were going half decently at, at that time. I look at every game and just think, there's a chance we'll, there's a chance we'll win. We seem to have put, you know, the big, heavy two defeats that we've had behind us. If we have had a setback, we've always bounced back from it. Mm. So so far this season, which I think is really, really important. You know, even last season when we lo- when we lost, we lost three in a row under un- under Emery, didn't we? And then we lost two in a row at one point. We haven't had back to back defeats at any point so far this season. And I think that's that's huge. That's what good teams do. They don't let themselves get caught in a rut. They don't let it go game on game, multiple games with, without winning or or losing. So I think we've responded to setbacks really well this season, which I think is something that's gone a little bit under the radar. And now we're within this phase where we, you know, we're winning or, you know, at least not losing every, every single week. Those next four league games, so that's Luton, Forest, Fulham, and Bournemouth. You know, no, we're so. Oh, it, oh, we got, we not, we've not got Bournemouth. Where have I pulled that from? No, you must be thinking of somebody else. All right, so Luton, the... Forest, Fulham, Tottenham. Bournemouth is after the duel. So, right, okay. okay, so I've, I've got confused with the. Okay, the next three league games then. If I was offered, say, seven points out of those three games, I wouldn't take it. Because I no, wouldn't take it. I wouldn't, no. Because Luton, I think... not Forest, and Fulham, you want nine points. I don't want nine points. I'm saying if I if someone said to me Villa can have seven points now, I wouldn't take it because I realistically sit here thinking, well, I think we can win all three of those games, so I'll try for nine, thanks. So when I just said you'd take nine, yes then. What? You said seven? I said how oh, did I? Oh, no, it's, not about, it's not about taking it's not about taking it. I'm just saying if someone offered me seven points now, I wouldn't take it because I think we can get nine. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not it's not arrogance, it's just the form that I, that I think we're on. I think we're a proper football team. Yeah, right, that many teams should be frightened of and 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 scared of. Again, I did I did, did talk sport on Monday, and he said, like, if I and I said, if I was offered fifth now, I wouldn't take it because I'm not convinced there's like four sides that are, that are better than us. I, I, I would. Take I think it. there's three that will fin- definitely finish ahead of us in uh, City, New, not New, not Newcastle, City, Arsenal, and Liverpool. After that, mm. I think, well, why can't why can't we finish fourth? I think we're as good as all those other teams that you potentially think could could finish fourth. I think you look at the team Spurs have played. I think you know they have an excellent start to the season. You can only beat what's put in front of you. But I think across the next three games, Villa could win their next three games, and we could realistically we could be top. And you wouldn't yeah, bet against yeah, us agree, winning, yeah. those, winning those three games. So you know yeah. the season at the moment, what our ambition should be and what we are aiming for is very very much up in the air, especially when you factor in as well. The last twelve months in general, how we ended last season, qualifying for Europe, for really from, from from nowhere in February, that didn't look like it was going to happen at all. In October, it certainly didn't. Mm. So, you know, our form across thirty-four games, I think they said on the on, on the commentary, that's top four form, maybe even it top is. three form. So keep going. I, I don't think at the moment we should be setting targets because I think we could easily get to Christmas and be hovering around the teams that are at the top of the league. I, honestly, I really think that. I, I agree with you and I love I love the optimism and the ambition. But if you're saying the top three are going to be Liverpool, Arsenal and Man City in some order, yeah. and you wouldn't accept fifth, 
the best we can do is fourth, and they get you the same thing if fifth does well, get you Champions League. We don't know yet, do we? We don't know if fifth Obviously, we don't know, of course. Yeah, fifth wasn't the Champions League, I would say, yeah, fight it out for fourth. But if you said to me now, after nine Premier League games, you can have fifth, I'm definitely taking that. It's too good. It's too, there's too much of a long way to go for Villa to drop yeah, off. I, I don't think they will. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, I would take fifth if you offered it me right now. But if you said, oh, but there's a possibility you could get second, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, let's go for that then. But if it's uh, fifth or fourth right now, I'd still just take fifth. Yeah, I've got a question for you that I was asked on, on TalkSport and I reluctantly have kind of changed what, what I think. So you said, would I rather Villa qualify for the Champions League or would I rather win a trophy? And for years, I've just said, I just I just want to win a trophy. I, I just want to win a trophy. It's all, it's all I want and it, and it is all I want. But I do think when you're up there and you know you've watched Newcastle, for example, have these Champions League nights, I would just love to experience that. And again, did I think you, did you say a trophy a, then before. I kind of sat on the fence a little bit. I said just about still a trophy. But oh, you know, when you league. would you? Yeah, I think most people probably still say that say the trophy. But you know, who won, you... The, who won the FA Cup in 2013? <laughs> I don't know. 2013. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like history is very... just a random year to choose as well. Obviously, for Villa, if it was Villa, you know exactly when Villa won stuff. But generally, who remembers even the trophy winners or the runners or the years gone by? We can win it in twenty thirteen. Possibly, they did win it at one point, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but also, the question would be who qualified for the Champions League in twenty thirteen. You wouldn't know the answer to that either. But no. my thinking would be that you negated your own point there. <laughs> my thinking would be that Villa can propel themselves more as a club as the Champions League yeah, place that's the, rather that's than an FA Cup winner. And that's big with the manager as well, because like, the manager yeah. wants to do things at the highest level. I think ideally he wants to do them with Villa. I don't think there's any danger of him leaving or or anything like that, Unai Emery, but this is a guy that's built for the highest level. So yeah. we we yeah, need to be we need to be getting to the the highest level possible. I mean, realistically, you know, winning the conference league and qualifying for Europa League, that's another the step yeah, isn't yeah, it? That's, yeah. a, that's another pro that's another bit of progress, and then maybe go for Champions League the year after. But I just think, you know. Chelsea, I don't think are going to finish ahead of us. Man U are not the team that they were last season that finished third. I don't think there's much in it between us and Newcastle, realistically. I don't think Brighton will be yeah. will be as good as, as last season. So far, I don't think don't think they really have been as good as, as last season. So you're looking at it and thinking, yeah, like I said, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City. If we if we don't get bogged down with injuries, and this is the mad thing, we've already got four. Yeah, really big yeah. players. Three of them are in our best eleven, in my opinion. They have not played the entirety of the season, really, bar a couple of cameos from from Ramsey. You know, these mm. players haven't played, and we're still doing what we're doing, and that's just mega, mega impressive. We're on, we are on the verge, aren't we? One more injury to somebody in the first eleven would seriously do well, I think. Well, that would, that would be the same with with any team. You know, you can't if any team had five serious injuries across the first half of the season, you'd think. Mm. That's going to be going to be a problem for them, you know. Man City lost a couple of players. De Bruyne and Rodri weren't playing yeah, for a few. Yeah. They lost both games, so injuries yeah. do have a do have have an impact. But the way again, we've recovered from from those setbacks. Really, I was thinking earlier when I was watching us that I thought Mings being out would completely destroy our season. I was just like, I don't see how we cope without him. But so far, you know, we we have coped without him. It's different. I think we'd be an even better side if Tyrone Mings was was, pl- was playing as well. But you know, we've coped and responded to him to him not being there and, and adapted. There's all these little adaptations that I think that I think go on that I can't even tell you what they are. But I think there's loads of stuff that happens in, in little intricacies in the way we play that you know we don't even notice. 
So I yeah. think the way we've responded to setbacks this season has been absolutely brilliant. There's a nice comment here from Julia, I think I'll end, end the show now, who says, I don't like having to choose between what's more important over the course of a season. Yes, we want silverware, and yes, we want to be up there challenging for the Champions League, and both are possible, and I agree, both are possible. I just think, as much as I would love to win a trophy, I don't want to come across as like the trophy, the, the, the domestic competitions are unimportant, because even like in my lifetime, I've not seen us win anything. So even like the fanfare, and it's so minor in comparison, the fanfare of the playoff final, and seeing a trophy of some description with claret blue ribbons on and, and players lifting a trophy above their heads was great. So to do that with the League Cup or the FA Cup would be immensely special. I just think overall as a football club, if a top central midfielder becomes available in the transfer market for 60-odd million, what's more likely to bring them to, to the club? Villa finish seventh but win the FA Cup or Villa finish fourth and play in PSG next season and, and Dortmund and, and whoever like Newcastle are. It's Champions League, isn't it? That's what football is geared towards towards these these days but it's difficult, the isn't it? be special. it's difficult isn't it because on the face of you know winning a trophy is a massive thing yeah but that trophy <laughs> doesn't get you what finishing in the top four or five gets you exactly it doesn't get you the riches it doesn't get you the pedigree it doesn't feel like win the fa cup does that make them more appealing to to potential signings from where they are now if they don't if they don't win the fa cup i'm not sure it makes too much difference do, do you know what i mean whereas if they're yeah, not yeah. you're right if they get top four top five that's massive, you know, it does wonders for revenue streams and, and things like that, as well, which enables you to get in better players and makes you, you know more likely to stay where we are now for, for longer. You know, Newcastle will reap the benefits in the next couple of years of having just spent one year in the Champions League because of the money yeah. it, it provides and the fact that, you know, they'll be less bogged down by financial fair play. So and that wouldn't have happened season. if they'd have won the Carabao Cup last season in the final against Man United. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It's deep, but again, they were the same, though. They were a similar situation. I, hadn't won, I mean, they haven't won anything for yeah, yeah, yeah. not longer than us, and they really, really wanted to win that Carabao Cup. But I bet now they're in the Champions League. They'll be thinking, if, if we did have to choose, I'd probably choose this. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's the AZ Altmar post-match reaction done, as we talked about pretty much everything but the game. But I like the wider conversation around the club and where we're heading, because uh, it's certainly bright times ahead, isn't it? I think we can no, all agree. Uh, Dan, thank you very much for joining me and uh, filling in. Uh, for Matt Kendrick, what was it you were called? The Tim Pot Man Kendrick. It was poor man's Matt Kendrick. Poor man's Matt Kendrick. Tim, Tim yeah. Matt Kendrick. <laughs> Not true though. In the end, uh, a very, uh, a very enjoyable podcast. Matt and Kendrick thanks can't tell you Phil King autograph stories. To be fair, he probably could. He's, he's probably got other obscure stories about <laughs> autographs. To be fair. <laughs> Uh, thanks everyone for watching along live on uh, Thursday evening if you're catching up on Friday or before Luton uh, get involved in the comment section with uh, this uh, various debates we've had about Champions League or trophies and stuff I'm keen to hear different opinions um, we'll be back for some kind of preview for Luton Friday or Saturday I'm not sure yet and a post-match for, um, for Sunday as well so Dan cheers for joining me thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you all very soon